Well, we are here for our first ever Cleveland sports podcast solely. Your host, Mike, joined by Andy. Andy, what's up? Mike, good evening. Hello, everybody in our listening audience. My name's Andy. Welcome to the first episode of our podcast series, uh, the Puppy Pound Podcast. This is a podcast made for Cleveland sports fans by Cleveland sports fans. And Mike, um, you know, in the Puppy Pound here, we may not be as loud and rowdy as all the fans in the Dog Pound at Cleveland Brown Stadium, but I think you would agree that we are just as passionate when it comes to our Cleveland sports teams. Well, Andy, we, uh, we're pretty familiar with doing podcasts. We actually did a, have been doing a fantasy football podcast for our own fantasy league uh, for the last year. So we are taking our first step into a much larger audience and talking solely about Cleveland sports. And P.S., the name Puppy Pound Pod is still up for a little bit of a debate. Yeah, we could put that up to vote with our, with our listening audience and we can throw some names out there and see what they think. We had a hard time kind of thinking of some, some names, but definitely up for debate. So we'll see what we come up with. Yeah. Well, Andy, it was obviously a big day in Cleveland as Freddie Kitchens was named the ninth head coach in the expansion era of the Browns. Yeah. And Mike, you know that that's been my guy. I've been, I've been riding the Freddie Kitchens uh, train for the past couple weeks here. So I was definitely excited about it. Obviously there's some questions that come along with Freddie as he doesn't have a whole ton of experience, but um, he's been my guy for a while now and we'll, we'll kind of get into this later, but uh, I'm really excited to have him as the head coach. Yeah, Andy, I, I told you this morning, or when the Browns announced this afternoon, that you nailed nailed it. I mean, I thought there was about a 90% chance yesterday, and Freddie ended up getting the job. I wanted, personally, somebody who had some head coaching experience, but it looks like the trend around the NFL right now is to go with more of a philosophy and a young, energetic type of guy like a Sean McVay as opposed to your experienced guys like a Mike McCarthy, like a Jim Caldwell. Bruce Arians did get the job in Tampa Bay as they are uh, zagging while everybody else in the NFL is zigging, apparently. Yeah, and look at all the guys that the Browns interviewed. I mean, none of them really had a whole ton of experience. All of them were young. The oldest one, I think, was Jim Caldwell, who was in his 60s. But, I mean, Brian, Brian Flores is 37 years old. Dan Campbell, 42 years old. Freddie Kitchens, I think, is only 44. Kevin Stefanski is 36. We really didn't interview a ton of guys with experience. I mean, we didn't interview McCarthy. We didn't interview McDaniels or Bruce Arians. And all three of those guys had really expressed interest in coaching the Browns, too. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting that they definitely wanted to go the younger route. I thought that they were going to go a different way and go with somebody with some experience. But after the coaching search and the way that the Browns did it, there's no doubt in my mind that this was a move for John Dorsey to exert some more authority in Berea because he's obviously got a big ego, too. And I think that's ultimately what his undoing was in Kansas City. Yeah, that's why they let him go, because he didn't get along with Andy Reid there. And it was a power struggle, and ultimately, I think they chose Andy Reid. John Dorsey was let go. So you kind of brought that up yesterday, Mike. You made a good point that maybe he needs a guy with less experience that is going to feel – will be less threatening to him. Yeah, I mean, it's very possible. I mean, like, like I said, John Dorsey 
has an ego, but you know what? He deserves to have an ego because with that draft class that he just pulled out, I mean, the number one rated draft class in the NFL, the most wins of replacement over replacement four. I mean, very impressive personnel guy. This was his first time actually picking the head coach. And it's interesting too, Andy, because if you remember the way that the organization was structured when John Dorsey was hired, and obviously before he was hired, Jimmy Haslam had the head coach report directly to him and Sashi Brown deport or the GM at the time report directly to him as well. So there's really two segments on the Cleveland Browns flowchart. Now it's a lot cleaner. It's a lot smoother because Freddie Kitchens will be reporting directly to John Dorsey. And really that's how it should be. And I didn't like how that was in the past because Hugh Jackson would always go over Sashi and complain and, you know, plead his case to, to Jimmy Haslam. And it really is, is a miracle that Hugh stayed around this year as long as he did. And I think part of that is because he was able to go directly to Jimmy Haslam. And Mike, let's face it, Hugh Jackson is a con man. And he's a very good talker. He's, he's very good at convincing people. I and mean, it's not his fault. It's, it's not, not his fault. fault. It's the player's fault. I mean, hell, Mike. As he, he famously said after his may, tenure in Oakland. He may be the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, how is that even possible? Hey, man, I got my fingers crossed on that. I hope to God that he is the coach of the Bengals and we get to see him twice a year. That would be great. Infuriate Baker somebody else to grind his axe against. I mean, that, that would be outstanding. Well, if you remember too, Andy, Hugh obviously wanted his, uh, his boy, AJ McCarron, the Cincinnati Bengals backup. And uh, thank God, Sashi Brown blew, blew that trade up because we would have traded Nick Chubb for AJ McCarron. Yeah. And AJ that, McCarron, Andy, not even on an NFL roster. Curl. No, I think he was on two or three different teams this year. You know, I think he finished with Oakland. I think he got cut by the Raiders. Yeah, so he's currently out of the league. So, I mean, that honestly was Sashi Brown's best move, was sabotaging that trade. To to this day, I still think that he sabotaged it to keep his his precious draft picks. And Um, tanking for Miles and Baker. Absolutely. Well, Andy, let's uh, let's go around the NFL a little bit and talk about some of the recent coaching hires and the and the jobs that are out there. I mean, it's. Like we said before, I mean, it's really the state of the NFL right now is different than we've really ever seen. And I think a lot of it has to do with Sean McVay. And if Sean McVay breathed on you at some point in your life, you have head coaching potential. Absolutely. Everybody's trying to find the next Sean McVay. And I mean, look at what the Cardinals did. And look who they hired. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I, Andy, I was shocked about that. I mean, I, I, you know, when Cliff Kingsbury got fired from Texas Tech, okay, that's fine. He's an offensive coordinator at USC. You know, not up for any major college jobs. I mean, maybe, maybe he'd be considered for a position coach or potentially a quarterback or, excuse me, an offensive coordinator in, in the NFL. But to name him the head coach, the Arizona Cardinals, what the heck? And Andy, Cliff Kingsbury was in New York interviewing with the Jets, and the Jets didn't want to let him leave town. So it was – I mean, he had a bidding war. He had two teams. I mean, the best thing, in my opinion, on Cliff's, Cliff Kingsbury's resume is that he hooked up with Jessica Simpson and Britney Spears. 
hey, props to him for that. True. Um, but I agree with you. In Cliff Kingsbury, I question his talent evaluation and I question his coaching ability because he let Baker leave Texas Tech. He didn't want to give Baker a chance after he had walked on there. So that's why Baker ended up transferring to Oklahoma, where he ultimately won the Heisman, became the first pick in the draft. And, Mike, he couldn't win with Patrick Mahomes. So two of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL currently, he either didn't like or he couldn't win with. So um, not a huge fan of Cliff Kingsbury, but you know what? But don't worry. He's young and he's innovative because that's apparently all that matters now it might be another free win for the Browns because they play the Cardinals and you better believe that Baker is going to be motivated for that game. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that game. And I think that that uh, game will be a win, but you know what? Probably a decent fit with Josh Rosen. Maybe the two can go out on the Arizona and Arizona town and try and look for some, some women together. Hey, we'll see. Since Cliff Kingsbury will not be on the recruiting trail anymore. Talking to the mommies of the players. Yes, absolutely. He's going to be out. He's going to be out in Arizona for sure. Well, the Packers hired Matt LaFleur and wasn't he in the Dodgeball movie? Yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> I didn't a even true, recognize that. So you brought a that true up. underdog story. It was actually Peter LaFleur in the Dodgeball movie, but uh, he was the former Titans OC. Another one that stuttered un- studied under the wonderkin Sean McVay. Like I said, I think Sean McVay must have breathed on him at some point because the Packers uh, said, oh, hey, you, you actually have shook hands with Sean McVay at some point? Oh, well, you're hired. Uh, I, I was honestly shocked, Danny, that Josh McDaniels didn't get that job. It would have been a perfect fit playing with Aaron Rodgers. Um, and you're, like you said, Mike, I mean, he must not have uh, washed his hands after he shook hands with Sean McVay, and some of that magic rubbed off onto him. I don't but blame him. Honestly, I mean, the Titans' offensive coordinator position, it's not like the Titans had a dynamic offense – this year. Um, I didn't understand that hiring at all. And like, I agree with you. I think Josh McDaniels would have been perfect. He's, you know, worked with Tom Brady for years. Uh, He would have walked into a position where he was comfortable. And, you know, I think maybe it just speaks volumes about Josh McDaniels. And I think a lot of teams may still be uh, rubbed the wrong way with how he left uh, the Colts last year. I agree. I mean, I definitely think his reputation is sullied throughout the league at this point. I mean, he obviously had the handshake deal, was recruiting coordinators. I mean, he recruited Matt Eberflus, who was a candidate for the Browns job to Mm -hmm. be his uh, defensive coordinator. And they obviously had a great year. Uh, And then he backs out in the 11th hour. I mean, it was kind of a shady thing to do. I mean, but he probably was unsure if Andrew Luck was going to come back and play well. So, I mean, I I, I kind of understand it, but ultimately you got to be a man of your word, dude. But on a side note, the Colts GM, Ballard, is good friends with Dorsey. He actually was under Dorsey in Kansas City. So I think because of the McDaniel snub on the Colts, that's one of the major reasons Dorsey didn't even include McDaniels in the interview process. Yeah, there's a few reasons. Um, and I agree with that. But going back, when, listening to John Dorsey's interview after week 17 the first thing that he brought up with what he was looking for in a head coach was a man of character he said that before I want a young guy before I want uh, a guy with offensive experience a guy with you know just experience in general he said he's looking for a man of character clearly he did not think that McDaniels had a lot of character 
And also, Mike, I had heard that John Dor- Dorsey's current agent was the former agent of Josh McDaniels last year. Mm. And he left Josh McDaniels after he decided to back away from the Colts job. So there could be some connection there. Um, I think that rubbed John Dorsey the wrong way. Also, I had heard that McDaniels camp, they did express interest in the Browns job, but they went directly to Jimmy Haslam. They didn't go to John Dorsey. So as you said before, look at the way that the, the it's structured, how Freddie Kitchens now reports directly to John Dorsey. He's not reporting directly to Jimmy Haslam. I think that also probably rubbed him the wrong way because that didn't work with Hugh Jackson, you know, in with, with Sashi Brown or John Dorsey. So I think for all those reasons, um, you didn't get an interview with McDaniels because clearly he's a great play caller and he has experience. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think Tom Brady said at one point, you know, if, <laughs> if Josh McDaniels goes and coaches the Packers, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw for 7,000 yards. That's how good of a play caller and offensive coordinator he is in Tom Brady's opinion. But he's staying with the Patriots. I mean, there must be some sort of deal that they kept him there last year. I don't know if it's, you know, a promise to be the coach in the future or if Bill's got something on him, but who knows? He's not a candidate for anybody right now. He is staying in new England and Andy, a guy that I was really actually interested in when the Browns fired Hugh Jackson was Bruce Arians and Bruce Arians came out and said, Hey, the only job I I would come out of retirement for is the Browns. Well, obviously good old Brucey boy lied to us and he's now the head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, but I, I can't blame Bruce either because the Browns never really expressed interest in him. Um, but I agree which with I'm you. Sho- which I'm, I'm pretty shocked by, but it was, obviously, like we said, it was very clear the Browns wanted somebody young who could relate to Baker, have a good relationship with them, and grow together over time. I mean, Dorsey's plan is to have these two together for the next 10 to 15 years. Absolutely. And Bruce Arians is 66, so that could be He's part of the He's not going to be there. Exactly. If he was a little bit younger – and he didn't have health issues. I mean, he had to previously retire because of right. heart issues when he was in Arizona. No doubt he's a great offensive mind. And he would have been perfect in this system because Freddie Kitchens is actually a disciple of his. So you could have kept Freddie Kitchens as the OC, Bruce Arians as the head coach. But like you said, Mike, I think ultimately it came down to age. And if Bruce Arians was 10 to 15 years younger, he may have been the guy. And had the resume that he does. But, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I always wish that Bruce Arians would have got a shot to coach the Browns. I mean, he was the OC for a couple of years here in Cleveland, but unfortunately it wasn't meant to be. I think he could be really good in Tampa, though. They have a lot of weapons. I mean, I know Jameis is a, a nutcase, but if they can keep Jameis under control, and, I mean, look at all the receivers they have there. Um, that could be a scary team under his offense. Well, I think Deshaun Jackson wants to go back to Philadelphia, I heard, but – you know, but they do have Adam Humphreys, who's a pretty good receiver who came on last year. They have Godwin, who's or Goodwin, who's pretty good, as well as uh, somebody by the name of Mike Evans, who mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of him before. I heard he's pretty good, and they also got OJ Howard, who blew up this OJ year. OJ Howard, good tight, tight end. end. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. They do. They do have some weapons. Obviously, I think they really need to fix the defense. And it's rumored that Todd Bowles, former coach of the Jets, recently fired. Coach of the Jets will be going there as uh, Bruce's defensive coordinator. That was originally reported. I've heard that that's not confirmed yet. And I heard from Todd Bowles, his camp said that that wasn't official yet. So um, I could see it happening, but Todd Bowles could be a name to keep on your, your radar for the Cleveland Browns D coordinator as well, if he's still available. Now, is Todd Bowles a 3-4 guy or a 4-3 guy? 
That I would that I would have to look up. I, I don't know why I feel like he's a three four. If guy. he's a three four guy, then I have no interest in him. Yeah, I, I definitely want the Browns to stay in the four three. I mean, we drafted Miles Garrett for a reason. I mean, the dude's a defensive end. He's not an outside linebacker. Oh yeah, you, your whole defense is designed to work in that four three now. So, right, you know, I, and, I wouldn't mess with that. Obviously, within and man coverage as well, because that's why they drafted Denzel Ward. Exactly. Because he graded out as the top man coverage corner in the draft this past year. Well, Andy, we do have breaking news because the Jets just hired a coach moments ago, and they actually hired Adam Gase straight out of left field. I thought Mike McCarthy was penciled into that job. Yeah, I did not see that coming. McCarthy, I, I thought for sure that McCarthy, they were they were talking about how it could be announced today that McCarthy would get hired there. So, uh, man, is he even going to get a job, Mike? I mean, what other jobs are, are available that he's going to – boy. I mean, I thought he, – he came out and said that he would only take the Jets job. Yeah. I mean, the the Bengals and the Dolphins are the only two teams that don't have head coaches now. I mean, Adam Adam Gase to the Jets. Broncos hired Bears defensive coordinator Vic Fangio. And uh, their former coach, Gary Kubiak, is coming back as offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Browns obviously got Freddie. Cardinals, Cliff, Kingsbury. Bucks, like we said, Bruce Arians and Packers, Matt LaFleur a true underdog story of dodgeball and Marcus Mariota. So, I mean, the Bengals, who God knows what the heck they're going to do. But I also just saw a report, too, that Vance Joseph, who was going to interview, I, I, I thought, for the Bengals' head coaching job, is now favored to be Adam Gase's defensive coordinator in New York. Wow. So, it's looking like it's a mess. Hugh, it's looking like Hugh – could get another shot. The Hugh Jackson show. Please, I'm praying that it's the Hugh Jackson show down in Cincinnati. That, that would be great. Do you think do you think that McCarthy would even consider Cincinnati? I mean, I, you know McDaniel's kind of turned his No, his... I don't. I think I think that the NFL is kind of realizing that Cincinnati is on a downward spiral and they don't want to be a part of it. And Mike Brown is an owner that interferes. The only thing that I think I, I will say positive about Cincinnati is that they seem to really give their head coaches uh, a shot. I mean, how long was Marvin Lewis to, there I mean, for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that, that's the one thing that he would have going for him is that it might not be just a, you know, one or two year trial and then he'll be gone. But I wouldn't want to go there. I mean, they're a mess right now. Absolutely agree. Well, I mean, could it be some of the candidates that the Browns interviewed? Because, we, you know, the Browns obviously had seven guys that they confirmed. Um, you know, just going through the list here, Greg Williams, obviously his, his resume, leading the Browns to a 5-3 and three record in the second half, obviously fire, following the firing of the clown and Haley. Um, you know, he, he had a good, no, good reputation with the players as he was the Browns' D.C. for the previous two years. I mean, I liked Greg Williams. I liked what he did. I thought – he should get a shot at the head coaching job. And now still, heck, I'd take him back as the D.C. But um, obviously him and Freddie were a shotgun marriage. And I, if you went back and listened to the press conferences, Greg Williams uh, and Freddie Kitchens, or, excuse me, Dorsey and Jimmy Haslam forced Freddie Kitchens onto Greg Williams as his O.C. because Greg Williams said he would not have picked him. Yeah. And you know what's funny? I went back and I was listening to some old press conferences um, with Freddie Kitchens last night. And he made a comment, and this was before he was hired, but he made a comment that stood out to me. And he, he said, um, th- I think the question, that, that exact question was asked was, you know, did, did Greg 
uh, appoint you to OC or were you appointed by John Dorsey? And he said, I was appointed by Mr. Dorsey. He said, I don't think I was Greg's first choice. Then he kind of Mr. Jimmy and Mr. Jimmy. So then, <laughs> then he kind of chuckled it off a little bit. He said, I don't think I was Greg's first choice. He chuckled it off. And then he said, by the way, he wouldn't be mine either. And then he just chuckled that off again and said, right. I'm, I'm just kidding. But I mean, now you kind of wonder um, if, if their relationship was a little bit rocky or if he really just does want his own guy. Well, I think Freddie's pretty easy to get along with and he's a professional, but I'm very interested, interested to see who the Browns are going to take as his DC. And obviously they got rid of Greg Williams today. Bob Wiley is gone. Um, Amos Jones, thank the Lord. The oh, thank God. worst special teams coach in thank the NFL, God. the worst rated special teams in the NFL in Cleveland, he is gone. So when, if when the Browns he... would have been able to improve their special teams, I mean, that's at least two more wins. They would have had a playoff spot. Oh, for sure. They might, they might be playing this weekend, Andy. When Amos, when Amos Jones was in Arizona, the fans made a website called FireAmosJones.com, and it still exists today, and they've been updating it from when he was on the Browns because he was really? so bad. Yeah, you have to check wow. it out. I will have to check it out. That's interesting. Well, is Greg Williams a candidate for the Dolphins or the Bengals job? I don't know. I, I don't know. I think the Bengals are either going to hire Hugh or, you know, um, they'll bring, they'll bring Marvin I think, I think it's going like, to be Marvin. Hugh. Sorry, we're just kidding. <laughs> Hugh or Marvin, one of the two. I don't see Greg getting another head coaching job, in my personal opinion. I agree. Um, I think he's just a coordinator. And I, like you said, I, I agree with you. I am going to miss Greg. I mean, overall, our defense this year wasn't ranked too high. Our secondary, Mike, by pro football focus was ranked eighth overall. Right. And we also had a lot of injuries throughout the year. Greg definitely did a good job keeping the players disciplined. They always played hard for him. And he was entertaining as hell. So I'll definitely miss, miss having Greg. But as far as a head coaching job again for him, I, I just don't see it. No, I agree with you. And obviously, I think that he, he did a pretty good job coaching. I mean, I love how much he likes to blitz, which is refreshing to see. I mean, obviously, the, the call at the end of the game in Denver where Peppers came on the blitz and sacked Case Keenum to end the game. That was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. But the, the fact of the matter is the Browns defensive line ranked 26th in the NFL and their defense only ranked 29th. So there, there's a lot of improvement that needs to be made, especially with a lot of the developing young talent that we have on the defense. I mean, the defensive line, I think, is probably going to be and should be the run defense should be Dorsey's first priority in the offseason. I mean, Freddie Kitchens came out and said it in one of his press conferences when he was OC, I think, before the Baltimore game, that you have to be able to run the ball when they know you're running the ball and you have to be able to stop the run. So he, and he's exactly right about that. And I hope that that's his philosophy um, as the coach. I think it will be. And I think that that's definitely going to be the Browns' major concern this offseason. I mean, if they go get another big receiver, I don't care if they draft all defense, really, the right. entire draft. That's, that's all they need to do. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get into receivers and running backs um, a little bit later. We're going to break down each position um, in our podcast series um, so stay tuned for future episodes. We'll break down different positions, but tonight we're going to go over receivers and running backs. Um, uh, Andy, what did you make of Kevin Stefanski getting flown back into Cleveland yesterday um, as a finalist for the job? That, that was shocking to me. Yeah, that was very surprising. I mean, they, but that's yet another young guy, Mike, 
um, that I think that they just were having interest in. And uh, I guess he's somewhat of a hot name. I think last year, Pat Shermer tried bringing him into uh, New York to be his offensive coordinator, but Correct. Um, the Vikings blocked that from happening because they must've saw something in him that they wanted to keep him around. But Mike talk about experience. I mean, Kevin Stefanski had less games is the interim OC than Freddie Kitchens had. I right. think he only had three games. Three games, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, we may never really know if that was they, – they may have brought him in and interviewed him for head coach tr- strictly because at the time he was still under contract with the Vikings, but they may really have been trying to just interview him for, for the offensive coordinator job, maybe to pair with Freddie. We may never know that, but that, that's what I'm kind of thinking. Here, here's what I think. Kevin Stefanski is an Ivy League, a former Ivy League football player, and he is an analytics fiend. He loves analytics, and I think that on the search committee, Paul D. Podesta, the Browns' strategy officer and analytics guru, probably pushed hard for this guy. If Sashi Brown were still the coach or the GM, Kevin Stefanski may be our head coach right now. That's a good point. Thank God he's not. I just don't think, you know, and he may be brilliant, really, but it, it wouldn't make any sense to hire him as head coach over Freddie Kitchens because he has less experience. Right. And Freddie Kitchens has already shown that he can have success with this team. Look, and, and, and one of the most important things, obviously, is chemistry with Baker Mayfield. I mean, I heard that Baker was actually FaceTimed in to the job interviews with these seven guys. So that that speaks absolute volumes to me that this hire was solely made on the comfort level of Baker Mayfield. Obviously, you want to make sure that the guy is a good leader and has a good plan and all that, too. You have to have all the rest of the intangibles. But that was the number one thing that the Browns were looking for, future development of Baker Mayfield. And really what I'm looking forward to next year is, I mean, you, you look and see, the, literally the, the switch was flipped in the second half of the season when Freddie took over. I mean, Baker's numbers were completely just far and away. He was, what, the sixth-ranked quarterback in the NFL in the second half of the season? I mean, he had an outstanding second half of the season. Actually, I have his numbers for you right here. So his, his, in his games without Freddie Kitchens as the offensive coordinator, Baker was 130 for 223. So that's a completion percentage of 56.5. He had 1,471 yards, eight touchdowns, and six interceptions. So once Freddie took over as the OC, Baker was uh, 180 for 263. That's a 68.4% completion percentage. He passed for 2,254 yards, 19 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. So he really took off. I mean, he, he ended up, what, 27 touchdowns? He broke their all-time rookie record. Right. In 13 and, and a half games. In 13 and a half games. And there he could have had more. There was a few of those. That one game against, um, was it the Panthers? Where he could have had an additional two touchdowns, but um, Perriman fell over and then Higgins well, dropped the, six, the ball in the end zone. 66-yard, yeah, H- yeah. yeah, Higgins dropped the ball in the end zone. Perryman, after that 66-yard pass that traveled 65 in the air. I mean, granted, I'm glad Perryman caught the ball, but then Chubb got the rushing touchdown after that. Also, don't forget the fact of uh, <laughs> in Houston, Antonio Callaway fumbling the ball fumbled at the, the one ball. yard line. Yeah, right after he caught the touchdown, which got called back for holding. Right, right. So, 
Yeah, that that was an interesting. I mean, I'm expecting big time numbers. I'm expecting around 35 touchdowns next year, over 4,000 yards from Baker. Those are my expectations for him. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you there. And the, the point I was going to make ultimately is that you give Baker and Freddie the entire offseason to work together to build off of the chemistry and the knowledge that they already have on each other. I really, really like the Browns odds going into next year with that. Well, a couple other candidates that the Browns interviewed, obviously, were Dan Campbell, tight end and assistant head coach for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he, he was a former NFL tight end um, for the Saints and the Dolphins. Um, Matt Eberflus was a first-year defensive coordinator with the Colts. He runs a cover two, which isn't really a fit uh, with the Browns' current scheme, but it is a 4-3 defense. Uh, he was had college coaching experience at Toledo in Missouri, was the Browns' linebackers coach in 2009. Um, I think he's an up-and-comer, Andy. Yeah, I definitely think he's an up-and-comer. defensive side, yeah. For sure. Um, I, just, I, I don't think he was the right fit for us. He's our head coach, but I think he's he's going to be a good coach in this league. Yeah. The Browns also interviewed Jim Caldwell, former head coach of the Lions and the Colts, 62-50 and 50 career record. Um, he was the Colts offensive coordinator and assistant head coach when they won the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. Um, also interviewed Brian Flores, the Patriots defensive coordinator, his first year in taking over for Matt Patricia. So, Caldwell was really the only one that had head coaching experience, which shocked me. Yeah, that it, it was very surprising, really. And um, a lot of those guys I'd never heard of, honestly. I mean, I'd never heard of Brian Flores or Matt Eberflus or Dan Campbell. So, Right, first-year coordinator, um, guys. Yeah. But, you know, Dorsey may just – as people have said too, Dorsey may just also be doing his due diligence – where, you know, if the, if the Browns have a lot of success, which I think most people think they're going to have, you know, in the future, um, and some of their coordinators are leaving, you know, I think he wanted to interview young up-and-coming guys that may be available down the line, and just so he had an early jump on them if, uh, if coordinators leave and he has to get, get new ones. Well, that's very true. That's very true. And it'll be very interesting to see – what the Browns do position coach wise, but Andy, let's get into more. Let's dig into more of our current head coach, Freddie kitchens. So crazy, crazy stat, obviously. I mean, with Freddie kitchens as the offensive coordinator, the Browns offensive line allowed seven quarterback hits on Baker in their final eight games. Yeah. That was with, with Haley and Tweedledee, Hugh Jackson, they allowed 61 quarterback hits My in their God. first eight with Tyrod playing two and a half and Baker five and a half. Isn't That's that crazy? Real. There was zero discipline with Hugh Jackson. Well, and Todd fun, Haley. I mean, he was funny, just busy arguing. Funny you should mention discipline. You actually remember from Hard Knocks when uh, Freddie Kitchens brought up the fact that, you know, why are we resting players? And then Todd Haley took over and got into it with Hugh Jackson. I do. You want you? I actually have that clip if you want it. Yeah, let's hear that. I haven't heard it in a while. The only thing, Coach, I'd say is, is when we talked about these people missing practice, I think it would help. You know, all right, I'm fine if Joe thinks that they need to take the day off, but can he be dressed and just put it on me that he won't get any you know, reps? Well, 
I think for the new coaches here, we're not taking guys out because they're special or anything like that. We take them out for preventative measures. Yeah. And normally the team has understood that. Yeah, well, I understand there's a rhyme and reason for right. doing it. It's been prevent. Duke has had a history of pulling, and if we end up losing him or missing him, it doesn't help us. Guys, this is all for preventative measures. Nobody's trying to take anybody out and have a problem. I, just, I, I have an opinion on it, and and we're, we need to get so much done, you know, and and I know I said that to you and we joke about it, but if we live in our fears, I mean, our team has to get mentally tougher and be able to fight through the shit that we got to fight through. We got to change this drastically. And if we got guys that haven't done shit sitting around doing nothing, you know, it, I just don't know how we're going to do it. Well, I respect you saying that. I mean, I used to sit in the same chair. Let me finish. Let me finish. I used to sit in the same chair as you guys sat. I I used to feel the same way. I just want to kill them, okay? Until all of a sudden, I sat in this chair, and then they're not there. And you don't get them to practice. And you can't get them through, and then you don't have them for three weeks. And I'm not living in my fears. That's real. And I think we all can appreciate that. (laughs) Anything else? He's a clown. He's a total clown. Yeah, he wouldn't listen to anybody, and that's why he's not here anymore. In Freddie Kitchens, that was really his first appearance. Um, that really, was, I mean, yeah. first time we saw him was was that Hard Knocks episode, and he brought up a great point. I mean, these guys are professional athletes. Get their asses out on the field. Get them practicing. I mean, the the mindset of the Cleveland Browns was in the culture was totally changed after Hugh Jackson left. Totally oh, for sure. For sure. Well, I mean, it just goes to show, I mean, oh, well, Duke Johnson has a history of pulling. Well, so we're, we're going to arrest him, and he doesn't have anything wrong with him now. We're going to arrest him just because there's because the chance he, that he may pull his muscle. Because he has a history of it. Okay, yeah. well, maybe um, don't give him as many reps in practice. Make sure that the trainer stretches him out better. Make sure he's hydrated. I mean, Andy, you are a physical therapist. Yes, I am. How does that sound to somebody who's actually a professional? It sounds ludicrous. Because the guy, Hugh, Hugh Jackson didn't say Duke Johnson has a pulled hamstring or he pulled his hamstring today. He said he has a history of pulling. That doesn't make any sense to me. So, Mike, I, I have a history of um, – I have a history of – dragging my feet when I walk when I could potentially potentially trip so does that mean that I should just roll around on a wheelchair yes for the rest of my life to prevent myself from possibly falling over I think so yeah I think that would be the next logical thing if you need somebody to push you I'll I'll help you out from time to time I'm gonna call Hugh Jackson for it well Well, give him something to do be a great uh he would be the best wheelchair pusher there is out there I think probably absolutely and he would talk your ear off about how great he is (laughs) He'd let me know. He'd let me know. I am the wheelchair pusher. Although he did say in Hard Knocks that he drives the bus, so maybe he would not push the the wheelchair. He would probably drive the bus because he's the I'll just get on his bus, the short bus. He's the head coach. He is the head coach. He'll remind you of it too. By the way, I am the the bus driver. I'm the head coach. Absolutely. But as we talked about, Andy, in the last eight games, really a lot of the positives that came out of the relationship with Baker and Freddie Kitchens and the offense in general. I mean, you look at, you know, they, once they put Nick Chubb in, I mean, Nick Chubb ran for a thousand yards. Okay. 996. Cause he took a loss 
after he hit a thousand against the Ravens, mm-hmm. but but still, I mean, it lets, he ran for a thousand yards this year, and he didn't play the first really play the first six games of the year. John Dorsey had to trade Carlos Hyde to get Hugh Jackson to play uh, right. Nick Chubb. Right. That should tell you something. So. And you know what? We're going to get into it in a little bit, but he, uh, Nick Chubb, the highest rated running back in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus, yeah. the number one elusive rating in the NFL. Pretty impressive. Very impressive. Even over Saquon Barkley, who was very, very highly rated too. Um, but the thing is, with, with Freddie, his offense was a little, very creative. I mean, a lot of the fakes that he had Baker do, I mean, the play that, that, I, that sticks out to me is Baker throwing the ball up to himself in the Ravens game, getting them to bite on the fake, with Callaway coming around and then just throwing a touchdown strike of 40 or 50 yards. Yeah, that was a Jarvis, I think. Jarvis, yeah. Yeah, that was sweet. And that's really – that's why I was so big on Freddie. And I I totally get people's concerns. There's legit concerns. I mean, he's – he went from being the running backs coach to the interim offensive coordinator to the head coach. So his rise was insanely fast. But obviously, I think, you know – I think there's a difference between keeping him because you're afraid to lose him, which I hope that's not the reason the Browns kept him. I think that they, they kept him because they see something in him and they think that he can be a great head coach. But the thing that I really liked about him was how he helped Baker build and succeed. And he, he put Baker in a position to succeed. And I'm not saying that Baker couldn't have succeeded with somebody else because Obviously, Baker's a budding superstar, and he's going to be great. But, however, you know, as we saw with Todd Haley, some coordinators, instead of playing the player's strength and tailoring an offense to benefit their player, they'll try and force their player into their system. Right. And that doesn't work. So, Freddie, you saw more RPOs when when he was out there. He was was throwing the ball more downfield in – he went to Baker. He said in his press conferences, he would go to Baker and he would ask him to give him like 10 to 15 plays that he liked to run and they'd go over them together. And, you know, he said in one press conference, he's like, you know, I'm getting more familiar with what Baker likes to run. He's getting more familiar with what I like to call. So that relationship is already established. And Baker just set the rookie record in, in NFL history in 13 and a half games for passing touchdowns with Freddie Kitchens is the OC. So that was the main thing for me of why I wanted him to stay. Yeah, I mean, why, why change that up? I mean, personally, I, th- I was hoping for an experienced coach and keeping, uh, keeping Freddie regardless. But you know what? If the Browns project out, and a lot, you know what, Andy? A lot of it is projection. I mean, you have to project out regardless of who your candidate is about what they project to be as a, as a head coach in the future. I mean, you want this guy to be there for 5, 10, 15 years I mean, it's going to have to be somebody who has good leadership skills, and I think Freddie does. You know, he's an authoritarian leader, meaning he's going to let you have it, and then he's going to be your friend. I mean, he's not excuse me, authoritative, not authoritarian. Mm-hmm. He's not he's not a completely in your face crazy psychopath, but he'll let you have it. Then he'll be your friend. I mean, he's a very personable and well liked guy. I think he has a good balance of that. And Carson Palmer loved him in Arizona, and he helped resurrect his career there. You know, I think Freddie is accountable and humble and hardworking. And one thing I really didn't mind about it at all, I really liked. He didn't politic for the job or 
pass the blame like Hugh Jackson did. You know, I think Dorsey really respected that too. Absolutely. And that's one thing that you can't measure and it's not going to show up in, in stats or, you know, it, regardless of experience is, is culture. Culture is so important, not only in like in pro sports, but you know, just in life in general and workplace in general, you have to have good culture. And I think Freddie brings that, like, as you said, all the players loved him. Uh, they respect him. Previous players have loved and respected him and talked, talked him up. So I think for, for John Dorsey, culture and scheme and fit for this team was more important than experience. Absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see who Freddie adds onto his staff as we talked about. So uh, Bob Wiley gone off the offensive staff. Oh, big Bob. It's pretty sad. Sid Hook. But oh, I love that. He, he's gone. We'll have to get a good offensive line coach. I'm glad that they kept wide receiver coach Adam Henry. He was uh, Jarvis's wide receiver coach in college. He has a good, solid relationship with him. And, you know, you never know if Odell Beckham, you know, but I don't think the Giants are going to trade him, unfortunately. Fingers crossed, man. I don't think the Giants are going to trade him. It actually, the way that his contract is structured, I think it, it benefits the Giants to trade him. Um, well, we so can talk we'll about see. that another time. But... That's, that's for another podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, are they going to are they going to keep Al um, Saunders? From what I've, I don't know. I haven't heard that he's been released yet. So I'm hoping because I think that Al Saunders or Adam Henry could be potential offensive coordinator candidates for Freddie or um, Ryan Lindley, even or Ryan Lindley. Yeah. So I, I hope they keep Al Saunders. He's another fiery guy. Um, he's an older guy, but he has a lot of experience in the NFL. He does. He does. And I think the players like him. So, Well, in the defensive coordinator hire, what I really would like out of that position is somebody who has some head coaching experience. That's, that's going to be important. Um, if you look at, like, look at the Rams um, when they hired Sean McVay. Wade Phillips. Back, back to Sean McVay, exactly. Wade Phillips, a guy who has been a head coach in the past. He's very experienced. You know, McVay can, can lean on him if he needs to. So that would be ideal, obviously, if you get a guy with experience like a, a Vance Joseph or a Chuck Pagano, I think I would really like. Um, yeah, I would take Chuck Pagano. And think, I, I think uh, Chuck Pagano worked with Bruce Arians briefly in Indianapolis, correct? Because I think Bruce Arians was the interim coach when he was out with cancer. Oh, yes, that's correct, in, in Indianapolis, yeah. And Arians has a connection with Freddie. So, I mean, I don't know if that means anything, but um, – Chuck Pagano is a name that I, I like. He's a good guy. He, he has experience. He's defensive-minded. I think that would be um, really beneficial to have with a young coach like Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you also have Vance Joseph out there. You know, if he's not the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals or the defensive coordinator apparently on the Jets now, would you take Marvin Lewis? <laughs> he's definitely a guy with experience. Just hearing Marvin Lewis's name, though, makes me, like, cringe. I, I Just knowing that he has that connection and him and Hugh Jackson are butt buddies, like, I don't want anything to do with Mar Marvin Lewis. Fair enough. Steve Wilkes, recently fired coach of the Arizona Cardinals, um, would consider that. Or Absolutely. That would be bad. Not a done deal um, down in Tampa. So there's some names floating around. I mean, obviously we need somebody who is built and can scheme – for the defense, the 4-3 that the Browns are building for. 
know, I don't want to completely overhaul and change everything. They just need to beef up their D line, add add a couple linebackers, and I think they'll be in good shape. Yeah, it would not be smart to switch from a four three to a three four. I mean, you you have the horses for the four three. Just leave it as is. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Andy, you got anything else on the coaching search, the coaching candidates, Freddie Kitchens, anything like that? No, nothing. I'm, uh, I'm excited that we, we finally have our guy. I think Freddie's going to be successful. And um, I, I hope that, you know, him and Baker can have a, a strong relationship for the next 10 to 15 years. I mean, that would be phenomenal. Yeah, that would be outstanding in the ideal situation well Andy what we're going to do is let's transition over to some individual players on the Browns and obviously our goal for this is to make it a Cleveland sports podcast but let's face it the Cavs are playing right now and they are the worst team in the NBA the worst defensive team in the NBA by three points per 100 possessions they're not real fun to talk about so we uh we're going to stick with the Browns and what we're going to do today is pick two positions, running backs and receivers. And we're going to talk about their grades and how they perform this year. In next episodes, we're going to go over next episode, we're going to go over quarterback, offensive line, tight end. Then we're going to shift over to the defense in a future episode after that. Wendy, let's start with the running backs. And uh, like we mentioned before, Nick Chubb did not start until week seven, had just about a thousand yards rushing. He had an outstanding rookie season. Oh, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And and how could you not start this guy right away? I mean, early on in the season when he, what was it, week three against the Raiders, that's when you kind of got your first glimpse of him where he, I think, had like over 200 yards rushing on three carries or something just stupid like that. Like 120 yards on three carries, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think think you had him on your bench that week in fantasy. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I did. I did because he wasn't the starter yet. Right. Now, um, I remember looking at your fantasy team like, oh, my God, how does Nick Chubb has like 30, 30 points on your bench, three carries. Crazy. I mean, but, the thing I like most about Nick Chubb is the fact that he just breaks tackles, man. He had so many broken tackles. And like I said before, he was the most elusive running back in the NFL. And he's not the, the fastest guy that you're going to see, but he's pretty powerful. He's got a really good combination of speed and power. Yeah, for his size, he has pretty good speed, I think. And it, it takes him a while sometimes to get going. He doesn't really have that burst, but he ha- he does have breakaway speed, which is something you didn't see with Carlos Hyde. Um, and like you said, I mean, he had 996 rushing yards, 5.2 yards per carry, Mike. I mean, that's pretty good. And then eight rushing touchdowns. Yeah. 149 yards receiving, two touchdowns. So, I mean, he had a double-digit touchdown year for a rookie. I mean, that's that's outstanding numbers in production. But the, the fact of the matter is his hands are actually a lot better than I thought. I mean, that one touchdown catch that he had against Cincinnati oh, where man. Baker lofted it up and he caught it over the, over the back of the cornerback, that was, that was awesome. That was ridiculous. Yeah, that was phenomenal. And I, I'd like to see him get more involved in the passing game next season um, because he's just such a dangerous weapon. You know, just if, if you can utilize him as a receiver, um, he's going to be hard to stop for sure. Absolutely. And we also mentioned pro football focus graded him the number one running back in the NFL, 87.5 out of a hundred grade. So, I mean, it, it was close among running backs, but the thing is, is Nick Chubb got the edge and he was the number one rated back in the, in the league. 
And Mike, there were some people last year that wanted Saquon Barkley at number one. Um, I mean, you got Nick Chubb in the second round. So that that's value. That is value. And that's why you don't take running backs in the top five. Because well, I mean Saquon Barkley is a special player. If he was available at four, take him. But the fact of the yeah. matter is the Giants are going to regret not drafting Sam Darnold for a long time. And they are going to have to see him a few miles down the road playing for the Jets. For the next 10, for the 15, next years. 10 15 years. Exactly. And that will be one of the biggest regrets because good old Eli does not have much time left in the league. Eli is a statue, man. He's done. Done. Now, I, don't, I don't see the Giants being good for quite a while. And a running back, I mean, let's face it. I mean, he, he okay, at, at the best – he gets you maybe one, two wins on his own, just being the elite top productive running back in the league. But a quarterback, a quarterback has the possibility of getting you six, eight, ten wins on his own. And not only that, running backs, I mean, their shelf life is like five years on average. You know, look at unless these quarterbacks. Your name, unless your name's Adrian Peterson. Then you're going to play forever, apparently. Um, but, I mean, these quarterbacks now – are playing into their forties, Mike. I mean, the, the rules are designed to, to protect them. Right. So, I mean, getting Baker, Baker, I fully expect Baker to be around for the next 10 to 15 years, as long yeah. as he can stay healthy. And speaking Knock of a quarterback in his forties, Baker Mayfield actually had pretty similar stats to Tom Brady this year. Yeah. Impressive for a rookie, huh? Pretty darn near identical actually. And he only played 13 and a half games. Um, well, let's move on to Duke Johnson, who had a bit of a letdown year. It was kind of confusing what the Browns were doing with him. He didn't have a rushing touchdown this year. He had three receiving touchdowns, 200 yards on the ground, five yards per carry, and 429 uh, receiving. But early in the season, I mean, we were very confused with what Hugh and Todd Haley were doing with him and why he wasn't seeing the field. Yeah, I mean, he he didn't see anything with, with Hugh Jackson. And uh, I think part of that might have just been that it was a really, really crowded backfield. Um, but Hugh, I mean. But Nick Chubb he, wasn't playing either. He wasn't playing. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Duke was the number two guy. I just don't think that Hugh Jackson liked using running backs. I mean, back two years ago when we had Crow, he'd come on like every post-game press conference and say, we got to get Crow more involved. We got to get Crow more involved. But yeah, they'd, never, they'd never run the ball ever. Well, they were I mean, always losing too, but true. You know that, I, that also has something to do with it. I was surprised to see that Duke had 430 receiving yards. To be honest, this year I did not think he had that many. And I, uh, I think that they need to get him more involved. Well, it's because Baker spreads the ball around very well. He does, but I still think that Duke was a little underutilized. I completely and agree. Even I if you just agree. even if you just put him in the slot, I mean, he's one of your most talented receivers, even as a running back. And he's a really good athlete. Heck, I mean, even when um, Freddie Kitchens was running the wishbone, put them both back there. Put them both, exactly. I mean, why, why he's not? The guy. He's a dangerous why weapon. Why not? I mean, even if you, even if Baker's flanked by both of them, you know, one on one side, one on the other, send one out for a pass, and if, you know, send have Chubb block or run. I mean, you, you, there's so many different things that you can do um, to get these guys involved in the offense. There's a lot of yards to be had. Um, and, you know, Andy. Um, 
No, I mean, I, I like both guys. I think that it's it's going to be beneficial. Yeah, knowing that we have um, we have Freddie, who we don't have to completely start over on offense. He's familiar with both these guys, so give give him an off season to continue to work with Baker and continue to develop a game plan. And um, I think our running back situation is is pretty good going forward. Agreed. Let's just hope that they stay healthy and keep improving. Well, let's move on to the receivers, Andy. Well, Jarvis Landry was the Browns' number one receiver this year. Uh, 976 yards, 12 yards per reception, four touchdowns. He obviously had that 63-yard touchdown pass and that 60-yard touchdown run. That pass was ridiculous. That was pretty cool. When he threw that, I was like, I, I was like covering my eyes. I, I thought it was going to be picked for sure. But uh, he put it right where it needed to be, and um, that got the team fired up, that's for sure. Oh, yes, most definitely. And the thing with Jarvis, I mean, Jarvis is a great talent, great player, great for this team. I love his attitude. I mean, all the guy wants to do is win. He's fiery, great leader. I mean, obviously, we, we knew that from his hard knock speech and his um, – time with the Miami Dolphins uh, Jarvis this year though was the 34th ranked wide receiver in the league yeah I don't think Jarvis is a true number one wide receiver in I mean if you could have him as your number two wide receiver your, your team's gonna be scary right. um, it's it's unfortunate that you know Josh Gordon's a drug addict and can't stop smoking and doing whatever the hell it is that he does you know because if, if he was a normal human being and we had him with, with Jarvis Landry. I mean, my God, Mike, that would be with Baker throwing the ball. I mean, I don't think – did Baker even play a game with Josh Gordon? No, no. I don't think he did because it was like week two or three that he was traded, wasn't it? Yeah, it was week two. It was week so, two. So, yeah, no, Baker did not play with, uh, with good old Josh Gordon, but Josh Gordon's out of the NFL. So he's irrelevant at this point. But the Browns do have some secondary receivers that I do like um, in Rashad Higgins, Antonio Callaway. And Rashad Perryman actually came on and was a really good deep threat. And that's that's the type of receiver I think the Browns need. Um, I, I think that they're one number one receiver away from having an elite wide receiver group because I think Higgins has a lot of potential. Um, Callaway, I like what he did his rookie year at times. Obviously, the fumble and some of the dumb plays that he had. But I think towards the end of the year, he started to come on a lot more. Uh, Brashad Perryman was a great pickup by Dorsey, former first-round pick of the Ravens. Obviously, he really, really came on at the end of the year. Yeah, that was a really good pickup. I mean, the Ravens released him for not being able to catch the ball. It seemed like he caught everything that Baker passed to him, Mike. I mean, he was phenomenal with us. And I loved seeing him score against the Ravens, his former team, during that last game. Uh, Callaway, I agree with you. He had kind of an up and down season. He showed flashes of what he could be, where he could be a really good receiver. Um, but he has to be more consistent. I think with, with catching the football first as a receiver, that's the most important thing. You have to catch the ball and, um, improving his route running a little bit and holding on to the football, not fumbling it. But overall, I mean, he's only 22. He just turned 22 today. I like his potential and his upside. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the question is, is he a number one receiver, though? Do you think he has the potential to grow into that and be the guy that Baker and the Browns really need to step up and be the guy? Hard to say, honestly. I mean, if, if I were saying it right now based off his rookie season, I'd probably say no. But 
But a lot of a lot of rookie wide receivers take a big step in year two. And don't forget, Antonio Callaway didn't even play college football last year. Yeah, that's true. I mean, th- when he was drafted, what we got him in the fourth round. Everybody yes. said he was a first round talent. Right. So as long as he can, you know, stay out of trouble first off, which I, I pray he can, and I think the Browns are developing a good culture that can kind of help him with that. Um, he has the potential to be a number one. It's it's hard to predict though with any of these guys. Absolutely. Well, Rashad Higgins definitely came on this year. Five seven, 572 yards, four touchdowns. He had a pro football focus grade of 68.1, which is above average. Antonio Callaway, five touchdowns, was a favorite of Baker's in the end, in the end zone a few times this year. Uh, pro football focus had him at a 63.6, which was average. And Bashad Perryman, uh, how many games did Perryman actually end up playing? Was it six? Six games? I don't think it was very many. No, I think, yeah, around six or seven, I would guess. Yeah, but he had 340 yards, two touchdowns, and he had a pretty good pro football focus grade, Andy, 71.8. Yeah, yeah, he he caught most of the passes that were thrown to him. You know, when the ball was passed to him, he, he rarely dropped it, which was, like I said, surprising because that was the big knock on him. Let's see, Brashad, he was no, he was actually dressed for ten games, but oh wow, uh, he played that many. He did, yeah. Okay. So um only sixteen receptions, three hundred and forty yards, but he was the deep threat for Baker. No no doubt about it. I mean, that's that's fine. You know, if the Browns envision him as their number four receiver, somebody who's gonna come in and stretch stretch the field out when they go spread out wide, that's fine with me. Um that's uh, that's somebody I would definitely retain next year. Um pretty much anybody else. The, those four receivers, I, I'm definitely keeping next year. 100%. I'm, I'm keeping those four guys. I feel good about them, but I'm definitely looking to bring in a, another stud if you're able to. You know, if, right. if, if Odell is available, I don't care how many first-round picks. Give up two uh, first-round right. picks. I mean, go get them because the Browns are going to be in win-now mode. I'm glad you're coming um, around to the dark side, Andy, because I think I feel like I said that like two months ago and everybody was like, no, no, you can't do that. Who cares about the draft, honestly? No, I, I, I care I about the draft, but the thing is, though, the only way that the Browns are going to, going to get a, a number one receiver is either through the draft or via trade because it, wide receiver free agency this year is very light. I mean, you may mm-hmm. see Larry Fitzgerald out there. I mean, okay, he's 50 years old. I, I love Larry Fitz, always have, but and he probably would be a good leader for this young group, but we have Jarvis as the veteran leader and Golden Tate, I'd consider taking Golden Tate, but there's really no true number one elite receiver out there. And here's the thing about the draft picks now. You know, I mean, we, we have our franchise quarterback. We have all of our – most of our skill positions are filled with a really good player. Um, we're not going to be in the position anymore where we're going to be picking in the top five or top ten. So, you know, if you can get an elite player, trade the picks. Right. You know, good teams do that all the time, and it benefits them. And Really, and we'll talk about this in future episodes, and we've talked about this before in our, our fantasy podcast, but when you have a rookie quarterback in his rookie contract, you, you really have a, a, a huge opportunity to go all in and to win. Because once we have to pay Baker, I mean, Baker's probably going to be one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league when, when it t- comes time to pay him. So you can really build up the rest of your team right now and just and really go for it while Baker's still young and underneath that rookie deal. 
Absolutely, 100%, Andy. Well, we are out of time. Um, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the podcast. We will be back every Wednesday night with a new episode. Hope everybody has a great week, and we are out. Good night, everybody.